sure what your thing is, think about what excites you most about your work. What part of it is about. So, so look for that. Look for what you want to, you seek out more information on what you want to learn more about what really, what piece of your work you get really excited Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of World Strive's inaugural podcast, Changing Lives Through Education Abroad, a weekly series of conversations with international education's most interesting thought leaders, as well as discussions on emerging trends, best practices, and innovation happening in our field. I'm your host, Zach McKinnis, Senior Director of Campus Partnership with the World Strides, and I'm so excited about today's episode. Today, we'll be talking about cultivating your personal brand in international education with the one and only Sarah Dart, Senior Vice President of Education in Ireland and Education Abroad LinkedIn Celebrity. I'm so excited for Sarah's conversation today. Sarah has been in her current role in Education in Ireland for a little over three years, but she's very much a familiar face in international education. She has also held leadership positions at International Studies Abroad and Boise State University. Sarah received her BA and MA degrees from Boston College. I am really looking forward to today's episode. You do not want to miss this conversation. So with that, let's get into it. Sarah, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you. Could you start by describing your current role in Education in Ireland to us? Absolutely. So Education in Ireland is a government agency that supports the Irish colleges and universities in their efforts to expand and grow overseas. So I'm based in Boston. I work with all of the Irish colleges and universities, uh, both kind of in a a one-on-one way, sort of partnership matchmaking, things like that, giving advice on, on the market and trends in the U.S., but also in coordinating a lot of large-scale efforts uh, around Irish education, uh, things like scholarship campaigns, you know, uh, conference presentations, events, things like that. Yeah, that's fabulous. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And so let's shift our conversation just a little bit and, and dive into the topic at hand, cultivating your personal brand. So Sarah Dart, why does having a personal brand matter? And why should our listeners consider engaging in this type of personal and professional development? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, having a personal brand is is sort of how you're known in international education. The more folks you know, the more well-known you are, the more opportunities that you'll have um, in a variety of ways, whether that's growing in your current role, looking towards your future opportunities, new roles in the field, um, you know, just getting to know more folks in the field. The bigger the profile or more substantial the brand that you have in general, just the more opportunities you'll have. Excellent. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You, know, you and I presented on this very topic just a few weeks ago at, uh, in the, at the Forum of Education Abroad with our colleague Kyle Roush from the University of Illinois, Chicago. Um, so I know you're, you're a real expert in this area. Um, and so what would be some advice that you'd have um, for someone who was just getting started on this work Uh, And so what are some concrete steps for someone who wanted to begin on this type of journey? Well, I think the first thing I'd say, Zach, is that folks shouldn't be intimidated. It sounds like this big, fancy thing, but but it's really not. And I think there's there's easy ways to get started in this. And the first thing I would tell folks is if you are not on LinkedIn, you should be on LinkedIn. Uh, That's that's absolutely the place to start and invest a little bit of time in building out your profile. Uh, look at folks in the field who are really engaged on the platform, look at what their profiles look like, get some ideas there. There's lots of tutorials out there. Uh, but 
really, you know, invest some time in building a good profile and start making connections on LinkedIn, you know, reaching out and asking people to be part of your network on there. You know, folks that you work with now, folks you've worked with in the past, peers from your you know, undergrad or graduate programs, um, but just other folks, you know, locally in the field, start building out that network. And the other thing I would say is to get involved in your local networks. You know, in Boston, we're so lucky to have BASA, the Boston Area Study Broad Association, but there's lots of other groups like this. You know, there's BayPi in San Francisco area, TIM in Texas, FIE in Florida. There's lots of state or kind of metro area organizations like this. And they're a really great way to kind of just get to know folks in your area in a very, I think, low stakes and unintimidating way. Because a lot of the folks that are in those groups, they're there because they want to connect with others. But they probably also are folks that are a bit newer to doing this and are, are going to be eager to connect with you. That's great. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And, and so thinking through the framework of a personal brand, what advice would you give to someone who might be struggling with what's, let's call it imposter syndrome, or someone who is more naturally introverted? Yeah, you know, I thought one of the really interesting things in the session that we did, you know, we asked the room full of people, how many of you have, have experienced imposter syndrome? And it was nearly everybody, including the three of us. You know, I don't know anyone that doesn't feel that way sometimes. I mean, there were people who I think of as absolute rock stars in the field who had their hands up. Um, nobody is is completely confident all the time. And I think that's that's the thing to remember. You feel this, you know, feel it, it's valid, but everyone feels it sometimes. It's not it's not real. It doesn't mean that you don't have anything to say. So yeah, imposter syndrome, it's 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 there, but uh, you know, it's not real. You're not an imposter. On the introvert side, though, I would say share what you feel comfortable with, what you're excited about. You know, your personal life doesn't necessarily have to come into it. When we say personal brand, it's about your identity as a working professional and not necessarily the other parts of your life. So you bring in what you're comfortable with, I think. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So it's almost as, you know, the imposter syndrome is the actual imposter because none of us are actually imposters. <laughs> That's exactly uh, right. <laughs> I love that. Um, and so let's, let's, we'd love to talk a little bit about your experience and your journey in cultivating your personal brand. So how did you know what your personal brand, Sarah, would be? And how has it evolved over time? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> um, I, I When I was new to the field, I didn't think that I was doing anything innovative or that I had anything unique to say or to contribute. Uh, and it really, at the time I was working at Boise State University and my boss came to me one day and she said, the NASA Regional Conference is going to be in Boise this year. I really think you should submit a proposal about the work you're doing with the Career Center. I said, really? I don't, you know, is it is it that interesting? She said, it's, it's good work, you know. You two should pair up and submit this proposal. And that was the first time that I ever presented uh, in the field. And it was easier than I thought. And people were interested in what we had to say. But it took someone else looking at the work I was doing and saying, this is your thing. You get so excited about it. You're really invested in it. You're doing something interesting. You should share that. So sometimes it's hard to see yourself what your thing is. Um, so it's good to, to talk to the sort of trusted confidants in the field. And it was, 
thanks to my old boss, Corinne Henke, that I sort of got started on this journey. At first, my thing was the connection between study abroad and career development. Uh, I did a lot of work on this at Boise State. It was what I was, it was the most exciting part of my job for me. And then when I moved to Boston, I got involved with uh, the LFA conference, Lessons from Abroad, which was sort of a natural connection, you know, talking with return study abroad students about uh, how, you know, where they go from here and how this can be a part of their career journey. And it was LFA that really got me involved in the education abroad community in Boston. So that was my thing for a while. Uh, and then and then one day, a colleague came to me and said, I'm supposed to present at the forum conference on Generation Z, but uh, I can't go. Can you do it? And I didn't know anything about Gen Z. I, I think I'd barely heard the term at the time. But I dug in, started researching, and I found that I was actually really interested in it. And that sparked my new thing. You know, I, I learned a lot about this. It was something I read about all the time, something I talked to my colleagues about, and something that I gave a lot of presentations about. And I think the interesting thing about that was that it was something that I was working to understand and learn more about at the time. I wasn't necessarily an expert, but I was bringing something new to the field and bringing other colleagues to talk about this. After that, when I started working for education in Ireland, Ireland became my thing because, you know, here I am. This is my job. This is my niche. Uh, and so sometimes when I started seeing all these these jobs posting in the field, um, I got really sort of interested in that and, and how much the field was changing and how many new opportunities there were, new folks coming in. And I started posting these job lists on Friday. And I thought I would do it once or twice, but it sort of took off. Uh, and now I think that's, that's also part of my thing. And it, it becomes a part of my brand as well. Yeah, that's great. And to, to our listeners, if you don't currently follow Sarah Dart, her posts on Fridays are one of the things that I look forward to in my my LinkedIn week. Uh, it's basically much much see viewing for those of us in the field. So yeah, thank you for saying that, Sarah. You know, one thing that really struck me about what you just said is about how the, our things thing with a capital T can evolve. Like as we enter, you know, different stages of our careers, it's a natural progression of, you know, what interests us 10 years ago doesn't necessarily interest us today and it may not be our thing in 10 years from now. So I think kind of having that openness to, to new things, um, I think is really astute. And so, you know, to that end, like what would your advice be to others who want to go about identifying that thing for themselves? The first thing I would say is, is if you're not sure what your thing is, think about what excites you most about your work. What part of it? You know, when I was starting out, I didn't recognize that it was my thing, but I did know that this, this work that I was doing with career services was what I got most excited about. You know, I was always really interested to, to have these meetings and put on these programs and learn more about this. And, you know, it was the thing in my job that I was most excited about. So, so look for that. Look for what you want to, you seek out more information on what you want to learn more about what really, what piece of your work you get really excited about. So that's one way I think to go about it, but also say, talk to the folks around you, talk to the colleagues you work with every day, talk to your boss, you know, other, like your mentors, they may be able to spot these things in a way that you can't necessarily see yourself. And so having that outside perspective to help you figure this out is helpful too. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, and so thinking about your personal brand journey, what have you learned about yourself along the way, Sarah? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> you know, I think the thing that 
really stands out to me is how much I value community and how much I need that to thrive in my work. When I started in the field, um, Boise is amazing in a lot of ways, but one thing it also is, is geographically isolated. And so while I had great colleagues in the office, I didn't have a community uh, the way that we do in Boston or the way other metro areas might have. And at the time, there wasn't as much, you know, LinkedIn was there, but it was new. There weren't a lot of ways to build the community virtually. And so it was isolating in a way. So I think, you know, it's one of the things that I you know, value about about being in the Boston area and the vast network of international education folks that we have here. But that's, I found that's just very important for me um, to thrive, I think. And I don't know how much of that is, is my brand. Maybe it is, you know, being part of a community, helping to connect folks in the community with each other. Um, But I do think that's the thing I've learned is how much I need that in my life. Yeah, I love that. You know, we are, it's almost an embarrassment of riches in terms of how concentrated we are here on the, in the Northeast, right? You know, both the Boston area, the New York area, even down to Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia, there are strong communities of education abroad professionals here on the East Coast. And so kind of the logical extension from that, from that topic, Sarah, is when in these networking events, right, what are some of your tips to maximize that time? Well, the first thing that I would say is uh, if you feel awkward networking, you are not alone. <laughs> uh, I still, knowing as many folks as I do in the field, I still feel a bit kind of uh, anxious walking into a big reception at, at NASA or Forum or even, you know, at, at our regional conferences. It's, uh, you're going to feel a little awkward and that's okay. There's a great tip that it's not mine. It's from our friend, Lauren Alexander. But when she was new to the field, she said, I really hated going to those things, but I knew they were important. And so I would set a goal for myself of, you know, I need to get three business cards. I need to, you know, talk with three people enough to get to that point and develop those connections. And then if I'm not feeling it, you know, I'll let myself go home or back to my hotel room. I thought that's brilliant. You know, it's, taking advantage of the situation. And then sometimes you relax into it enough that it's, okay, this is fine now. I can do this. This was just kind of nerves. Um, and so I think you just trust yourself and and push yourself to make a little bit of an effort. And so that's, I think, what I would say on the, the in-person side. But I think that there's also the aspect of networking, building your network out virtually that's really important. Um, and what I would say about that with regard particularly to LinkedIn is like, don't be afraid to to connect with folks or send them messages, but be thoughtful about what that is. If you don't have any connections in common or you don't really, you've never met this person, make sure that the, the note inviting them to connect or asking them for a chat perhaps references something about their work that you admire or something, you know, that you have in common or that you'd like to talk with them about. If you, if you make it, personal, I think, and people are a bit, they're flattered, you know, that someone, you know, is interested in them, wants to, wants to have a chat, wants to connect, but put it, that little extra effort in to make it feel personal and authentic. And I think that goes a long way. 
Awesome. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of when we're talking to our students about how they have sometimes anxiety about going to a study abroad program. Am I going to know anyone? Is everyone else going to know people except for me? You know, so it's almost like we need to put ourselves in their shoes. And just remember that when you're walking into that scary networking event, there's a great chance there's people there that know even fewer people than you. That's exactly right, Zach. I love it. And so, Sarah, like, you know, as educators, we tend to be naturally inquisitive, right? And one idea with us tends to lead to another. What is something that you are excited about at the moment when you think of the next steps for your personal brand? You know, I was really struck uh, at the forum conference by the fact that out of a thousand attendees, I think 450 were first timers at the conference, which means we have a huge population of newcomers to the field. You know, the, the field is changing and shifting, uh, you know, largely thanks to the pandemic, I think, as we know. But I think this presents an enormous opportunity for us uh, to welcome folks in, to have these new perspectives. And, you know, this this is a bit, you know, what I'm doing, trying to do with these, these job lists, you know, invite more folks into the field, you know, help folks see, you know, ways up and through. So I, I think, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's something to do with that, being a bit more involved in in where the field is going. You know, I, I also sit on the forum working group that has the, it's a bit of a mouthful of a name, the changing needs of current and future international educators. And we talk a lot about this, you know, where where are we and where are we going and how do we make sure that the field stays healthy and welcoming and inclusive. And I think that's where my next thing is going to be. I don't know exactly how, but that's what I'm really interested in right now. That's great. Yeah, that is one thing that that struck me too uh, about that conference, Sarah. Was just you know, it was it's clear it was clear to me than ever that we have a new generation of leaders in this field, and I'm excited about where things are going. And so w- with that, so my next question for you is the following: um, Once you had a good sense of what your personal brand would be, Sarah. What were some of your success stories? How did you utilize connections, online tools, and other resources to grow and make connections both professionally and personally? You know, I don't, I don't use a lot in the way of online tools or resources. Um, I probably should. It would probably make my, my LinkedIn life a little bit easier if I could figure that out and, and plan things out. It is a, something I aspire to is planning posts ahead of time instead of scrambling to, you know, to put something up in the morning. <laughs> Uh, be honest about that one. So I, I really lean in, I think, to the, the connections piece. Um, one of the things I think that was very interesting about the pandemic was, you know, of course, we're all home. None of us are, are seeing each other in person. We're all figuring this out. But I started to develop these LinkedIn friends, people I'd never met in real life. But, you know, we started commenting on each other's things and, and chatting a bit that way. Um, and I've had a chance to meet some of those folks, you know, in real life at conferences and things. Uh, since we've started traveling again. And that was sort of a, a revelation for me, I think, um, that LinkedIn wasn't just for me to connect with someone like you, Zach, who I you know, know and have worked with for a long time, but, but these other folks out there who were doing really interesting work. Um, and so, so building a network that is people maybe that you didn't know already. Yeah, that's great. And you, know, you and I talk a lot about LinkedIn. And so I would love for you to share just like, 
maybe three top tips on how someone can go about utilizing a LinkedIn for this very purpose. Your profile needs work. It needs time and attention and you have to keep updating it. But one thing that I would highlight about the profile is to use the featured section. So the featured section allows you to highlight two to four things and they can be links to websites or articles. They can be posts that you've shared on LinkedIn. They can be YouTube videos. As long as there's a link involved, you can include it in your featured section. And it's really an opportunity to highlight the things you've done that you're most proud of or excited about. And good LinkedIn profiles always have that piece. I think it's underutilized, but it is, it's the easiest way to make yourself stand out and to show recruiters, future bosses, you know, or even just colleagues who might be looking for someone to present with who you are and what you're about. So absolutely pay a little bit of attention to that section. My next tip is, again, with your profile, spend some time thinking about your photos. And I think we're we're fortunate in this field that, you know, we can be a bit flexible with these things. Your photo can be you while you're traveling. It doesn't have to be a professional headshot. Obviously, it can be. But make it something that's good quality. It kind of shows who you are. But also utilize the the cover photo behind it. It's really um, aesthetically kind of a turnoff to see a blank space there. And it's a missed opportunity. It could be a photo of a place that's meaningful to you. Perhaps it's where you studied abroad. It can also be a graphic, um, a picture of you delivering a conference presentation, but don't sleep on that space. I think there's a lot that, that can be included in there. And I would say that use LinkedIn to learn. Hashtags are really important on here. And so if you want to know, if you want to get a pulse on what's going on in study abroad or international education or DEI, pop that in, read what people are posting about. It's a quick way to get a sense for the trends, the hot button issues, things like that in an area that you're interested in. Um, Because people are posting what's top of mind for them in those areas. And it's a really good way to, to learn a lot quickly, I think. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, but, you know, but let's be honest there. Sometimes talking about a personal brand can feel a little bit like selling, can it? So how can we keep a feeling of authenticity when it comes to this topic? When we talk about personal brand, it does sound like we're selling ourselves. But I think what your brand is, is really your, it's about your reputation in the field. And I don't mean, oh, Zach's a cool guy. I mean, like, this is what Zach's about. This is kind of what he's known for. And so there's a few pieces that make up your brand. The first thing is what you do in your day-to-day work. We all have that piece, you know, whether it's advising or marketing or event planning, you know, it's, it's our day-to-day work. That's a, that's a part of it. It's also your thing, the area that you have specific knowledge or expertise in. Um, And sometimes that is a part of your day-to-day work, the way that Ireland is for me. But not always. You know, I I have a a colleague who I think is a great example of this, uh, Candace Ricks, who also was at ISA with me. And she worked on the university relations team, but her expertise, her thing was this really unique blend sitting at the intersection of uh, marketing, social media, Generation Z, and DEI. And she really, she married all of those things to create these unique ideas and expertise that I've never seen anyone else do. And that wasn't really her, her day-to-day job, but she had developed that as her, 
a thing and a really good example of having a unique thing. So it's your thing, but it's also, it's what you do. It's, it's the podcast that you host, you know, it's, it's what working groups you sit on at forum. It's which task force you're volunteering with uh, for diversity abroad. It's being a part of the NASA regional leadership team. It's those, those things you do in the field. And that it's also what you say, what you're talking about, what you're delivering a webinar on, what you're talking about, you know, during a conference presentation, and of course, what you're posting on LinkedIn. So it's, it's what you say. But it's also how you are in the field. That's a bit of a more undefined one. But I, I liked, when I think about this one, I think about my friend Malika Serrano, uh, someone from whom I've learned so much about personal brand and growing in the field. And she's this thing that she likes to say. And it's, it's along the lines of when a door opens for you, when an opportunity arises for you, you don't shut the door behind you, you put your hand back and you pull others through with you. And it wasn't just a thing she said, it was a thing she did and lived every single day. Still, she still does this, you know, and that's her, that's a really important part of her brand and something she's known for in the field. So, so your brand isn't just this like persona you're putting out there on LinkedIn. It's, it's how and who you are in our work. And I think that's what you really have to keep in mind that it's not, it's not selling. It's, it's being the person you want to be in the field. And yeah, it's, it's sharing that out on LinkedIn because that part, the sharing it on LinkedIn and, and putting it out there in that way is an investment in your future. Because if you're a hiring manager and you get a bunch of resumes, the first thing you're going to do is go look these people up on LinkedIn and see who they are, what they're talking about, what they care about, you know? So it's, I would say it's that it's considered an investment in your future and talk about the things that matter to you that you're passionate about and authentic about. And then I think in that way, it feels a lot less like selling. Absolutely. And, you know, to your very point here, what are some ways that you can let your personality or unique perspective shine through when so much of what we consume is through a quick scroll on our phones through LinkedIn or simply words on a screen? You know, I like to tell folks is that if you're sharing an article, for instance, don't just post the article. You need to like share some insight, share what struck you about the article, you know, in a couple of sentences at the top, that's going to get a lot more engagement. People are going to be more interested in, in what you have to say. Um, but it, then it's, it's a bit more about you and your take on this, this piece of news or this thing going on. Um, so I would say that's a very practical tip for that. But the other thing I would say is, is in general, don't be afraid to be a little creative or let a bit of, of your personality or, or what you like excited about show through. And now how can folks leverage their, their personal brand to their advantage, Sarah? Well, that means making our current work stronger, taking on new responsibility, or positioning ourselves for the next chapter in our career. It's a good question. I think there's a lot of different ways you can leverage your brand. Uh, and so we'd say, first of all, in your, in your day job, you know, for many of us, well, it depends on your role, I think, but, but for me, for instance, with Ireland, part of what I seek to do is to build partnerships between Irish institutions and U.S. institutions. And so the more that I'm out there, speaking about Ireland, um, sharing things that are going on with the Irish universities, sharing their sustainability initiatives and scholarship opportunities. The more folks are seeing that coming to me saying, we'd love to have a partner in Ireland. Can you help? Um, 
So I think there are those very concrete ways that it can help your day-to-day work, um, make it easier, help you do it better. Um, The more time that you spend on this or engaging here, the more intentional effort you put in, the more opportunities will come your way. Uh, If you're posting a lot about sustainability or Generation Z, and someone is, you know, interested in giving a conference presentation. Like, oh yeah, I should reach out to this person because they're really interested in this area. They'd be a great person to to present with um, or to give a webinar with. So I think the more you're intentional and thoughtful about what you're doing on there, the more opportunities that are going to come your way, and the more opportunities that are going to come your way are only going to continue to build your brand and generate new opportunities. Whether that's you know in the field, within your current role, or potentially for future roles. Great. Yeah. Just two more questions here as we begin to wrap up, Sarah. So this year, we are celebrating World Stride's 55th anniversary by collecting the life-changing moments of participants on our programs. It's been a ton of fun to read everybody's stories. I love that. So thinking about you, Sarah, uh, what was your life-changing moment when you were studying abroad? So I spent my semester abroad in El Salvador. and. I wanted to go to Latin America, even though I didn't really speak any Spanish. I just really decided that was where I wanted to go. And, you know, my university said, okay, I guess, you know, have a good time. Uh, so I, I, you know, I got there and it, I was, I was learning Spanish, but it was, it was hard. It was a really hard semester for me. I experienced culture shock very significantly. Um, it was unlike, any place I'd ever lived before. I struggled so much with the language and understanding cultural context. It was hard. And when what you hear about study abroad, what you think about study abroad is that it's this cool, really fun, life-changing, amazing experience where you're just going to be happy all the time. I mean, I think now I know that's everyone struggles a bit, but I think um, because I was in a place that was so different, I, it was very difficult for me uh, for a while. And maybe about two months in, I was sitting, having dinner, sitting with one of my Salvadoran friends, Julio, and we're having a chat about American politics. And all of a sudden I realized two months ago, I could barely ask someone to pass salt. And now I'm having an in-depth conversation about political issues with someone who's local and can he can understand everything I'm saying. This is what it's about. This is, this is it, you know, to change your world so significantly. um, I think both to understand, to to be able to believe in myself and have the confidence to know that I can get through something that's difficult for me and for it to become such a beautiful thing. I think that was my aha moment, I guess, during the semester. Um, and it, it absolutely was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life, one of the best semesters of my life, but it was hard. And I think I'm, I'm glad it was hard. <laughs> I didn't love it in the moment, but now looking back, I'm so grateful for that experience um, for so many different reasons. Yeah, what a great story. Thank you for sharing that, Shara. So my final question for you is a big one. Are you ready? Um, I don't know. <laughs> so, Sarah, as you think about education abroad in 2023, what makes you hopeful? 
all of the new people coming into the field, those 450 people that were first timers at Forum and how excited they were to, to be there and to have these conversations and to learn, um, to network, to participate. It reminds me why I got into this, you know, it's, it's been a really tough three years, uh, with, with everything that we've been through, you know, not just the pandemic, but then the travel warnings that came along with that. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, the recent department of education, TPS guidance letter, which fortunately has been resolved, but it's, it's been very difficult. And so having these new folks, it really was a, a breath of fresh air and energy. Um, and it gives me a lot of hope for the field and for where we're going from here. But it's also our responsibility as folks that have been here for a little while to make sure that they feel welcome and that they stay and, and be a part of what we know is, is a really amazing community. So that's those new folks. They're what makes me hopeful right now. Well, I can't imagine a better place to end it than right there. Sarah Dart, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Zach. This has been great to chat with you. What a blast. And, and, and to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Changing Lives Through Education Abroad. I'm your host, Zach McGinnis, and please make sure to join us next week as we continue to explore topics around international education and exchange. Please subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends and colleagues. Let's create life-changing moments together.